Good morning, loved ones. It's good to see you this morning. And to watch the enthusiasm. I mean, once they get through those, that door, pew, they are taken off. I have, uh, I've had the uh, privilege, the, the joy of being in on Wednesday nights during the Pele uh, class that's been going on. It goes 6.30 to 8 on Wednesday nights. It's, I've heard wonderful things about it. For the first time in my 16 years here, though, I'm with the kids, and I'm with the fours and five-year-olds, and it is fantastic. And uh, I love to, to be able to just walk in and, and uh, be waiting on them when they come in. It has, uh, it has added a, a great sense of joy uh, to my week to be with those kids. And um, so the first couple weeks I was in, the very first week I was in there, I was in there with someone else and um, there was, we were tag teaming, doing some different things with the kids and, um, you know, so they, it's their first kind of introduction to me and, um, you know, outside of seeing me say good morning loved ones or something like that. And they're, they're used to having their they're teachers on, in kids' community on, on Sunday mornings. One of those is Belinda Moore. Uh, everyone calls her Tutu. And uh, that's, her, that's her grandmother name, Tutu. But everybody here calls her Tutu as well. And um, so she's the one who's with the fours and five-year-olds on Sunday mornings. And I was in there and taught a little bit of some class, just a little, little story, and talked a little bit about things with the kids. And one of the... the kids in there is uh, Hazel Howard. And uh, afterwards, she was talking to her mom about class. How'd class go? It, it was good. Um, and she asked her mom about the teacher. She said, yeah, he's the one who teaches. He teaches our, our church family. He's the one who stands up and preaches and teaches. And she went, hmm, he's not as good as Tutu. Maybe she could give him some help. <laughs> so I haven't set up the meeting yet with Belinda so that she can somehow give me some help. Um, but I just wanted you guys to know I don't measure up to Tutu and the way that she teaches these kids on Sunday mornings. So uh, Tutu, thank you for the great work you do and for the many kids, community teachers and volunteers who do what they are doing even now. So what a joy that is. We're going to have uh, some special time this morning. You have seen the different kind of stained glass around the walls this morning on these, with these post-it notes, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. We are going to take some time today uh, to have uh, time for prayer, and I believe this is an important thing for us to be able to do. Um, as I said a few weeks ago, we're going to do a few things from time to time, corporately, as a community of faith, that has us praying towards the very same things at the same time while we're gathered. Uh, my belief is that that was a part of the early church. That would have been a part of what we saw in the book of Acts in certain places. And in many places around the world, certainly uh, in our time in Uganda, uh, that was a thing that they often did, was to spend some time praying, and it was just this rumble, as I called it a few weeks ago. And um, 
we're going to take some time to do some of that today. There won't be so much rumbling, um, as I'll instruct you a little bit later, but we are going to carve out that time to pray together this morning. We are in our series, Everyday Mission, Being Church Beyond Sunday. It is a wonderful thing to be church together when we gather. This is one of the things that God has in mind for his people, is to gather us together to worship God, to say that there is no one more important, there's nothing more important than God. We are carving out this space, this space that he's created for us and given to us, and we are taking time to gather in the name of Jesus to worship, to say he's first. He's Lord. We're gathering to remember what Jesus has done for us, and as a result of that, to remind each other of the gospel, that the gospel is about what God has done for for us, first and foremost, not what we do for God. But we're also encouraging each other when we come together. As we worship and remember and remind each other, we're also encouraging each other to live the the new life in Christ that God has given us. But we don't just stay here. We don't stay in the huddle. We don't remain in the gathering. The gathering has its purpose for, for us. It's an ordained purpose from God. So we know that it's a good purpose. But we go from here. And this is what this series is about. It's about the going. It's about the living. It's about the everyday opportunities that God gives us to share what he's so freely given us in Christ. Today, we'll take our cue from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting in verse 14 and going to the end of the chapter in verse 21. In this letter, Paul is in a sense of a sort of struggle with this church, the Corinthian church. This is the second letter we have to the Corinthians. It's likely that he even wrote a couple of more uh, letters to the Corinthians, not just the two that we have because he mentions other letters that that we don't have. But in this letter, he is in a sense, trying to do a couple of things. Number one, keep them focused on Jesus because some other teachers have come in behind Paul and their focus seems to be taking them away from Jesus and the gospel and towards towards a works righteousness view of life in Christ. And Paul knows that 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 just can't, that's oil and water. That, That will not be able to, we can't blend that, we can't, We can't have a message that's Jesus and any number of things. It's Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the message. He's the gospel. And he's really wanting to point them to that, but he's also trying to point them to the relationship that they've had for a long time. He had spent a good number of uh, days with them, years with them, actually, when we read about that in the book of Acts. And their relationship has been sliding downhill because of some of these other teachers that have come in and pointed to the weaknesses of Paul. Pointed out that that he's not the apostle maybe he started out to be. I mean, really, if the favor of God was on Paul, would he be suffering as much as he is? Would he be thrown in jail so much? Would Would he be 
having so much hardship in life if the favor of God was on him? Come on now. And that's what these teachers seem to be doing. And so he's trying to focus the attention on the relationship they've they've had together in Christ. And he's reminding them of his ministry, but he's also reminding them of their own identity. And he does it with these words. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In this section, I want us to notice something because he speaks of the mission. The ministry of reconciliation is the phrase that he uses for it in this passage. The ministry or the service of reconciliation. Now, Paul is specifically talking about the ministry of reconciliation that he has been given and his companions, his fellow missionaries, but he's also bringing the Corinthian church into it. Uh, The us that he talks about, he goes back and forth oftentimes in this letter, but we can take it both ways in this section, I believe. One of the things that he's doing here, though, is he is he's putting the mission or the ministry of reconciliation within the gospel context to which it belongs and from which it flows. There is no way that we can go about a mission in the world, a ministry of reconciliation, apart from gospel. It is because of gospel, it is because of what God has done for us through Christ that we have a mission and a purpose in the first place. And I want you to see the language in my own text. I put, it, I put all these words in red. Half of the passage is gospel language. So I want to go back through this and, and just let you hear this again. Christ's love compels us. Starts with Christ and his love for us. And that's what compels us. It's what drives
And he says, all this is from what? Your efforts to get your life together? Finally being able to overcome those sins by your willpower? Absolutely not. All this, this new creation, this new life, this is from God. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And then finally in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. This is a gospel sentence if there ever was one. So that in him we might become the righteousness, the covenant faithful keepers in Christ. We might become the righteousness of God. So here's the point. Gospel is first, mission follows. Gospel is first, and the mission, the ministry of reconciliation is then what follows the gospel. Uh, So it's why we talk about the gospel so much. It's why we go from one series to another talking about the gospel. It's why we're going to always be focused on what God has done for us. And so while we might go through a series like the book of Romans, while we might go through a a variety of other kinds of series, what we're going to do is we're going to keep focusing on the gospel, what God has done for us, because it is from that that we are then empowered with this ministry. And that's what we want to focus on here, and that's what Paul does. Gospel is first, mission is second, mission follows gospel. In Christ, he says, we live for Christ. We don't live for ourselves anymore, But when we're in Christ, when we've been forgiven and redeemed and empowered and given this new identity in Christ, we live for Christ first and foremost. We've stopped living for ourselves. We've stopped basing our life on our own comfort, on our own sense of pleasure and our pursuit of pleasure. Instead, we live now for Christ. We live for his pleasure. Remember, it was the good pleasure of God that saved us in the first place. And we live for him and for his purposes, for his mission, for his ministry. Here's what has happened. Before we were in Christ, our life was here. And if there was a God at all, he served us. He revolved around us. But in Christ, Christ is at the center and we revolve around Christ. It is a complete turn of events. The old is gone, the new has come. He doesn't exist for me. I exist for him. In Christ, everything is new. And in Christ, we join the ministry of reconciliation. So we're going to take some time now as we think about this ministry of reconciliation uh, to spend in prayer. Uh, So what I want to invite you to do is is I want you to think about the different kinds of... um, metaphors and language we've been gathering from Scripture over the last few weeks. Living curious lives. Chapter 2. That the, the people of God in the early church lived curious lives. Michael Frost says they, they, they lived questionable lives. Not in the sense that they were either kind of walking the the tightrope of good or evil, questionable as in when you saw their lives, you you wanted to ask questions. What 
what makes you who you are? Why do you do what you do? They made people curious, and then last week, talking about salt and light. That that's who we are in Christ. It's our identity, and it's from that identity that then our life becomes a different kind of life. We don't live like anyone else. We are people who are going to be different in this world. And by the contact and by the shining, the radiance of Christ in us, people are going to see Jesus. After all, salt and light, the thing that they do have in common, those two very different metaphors, but the thing that salt and light have in common is that they don't call attention to themselves. Like we said last week, nobody takes a great bite of steak or a, a juicy tomato and goes, wow, that's some really good salt. Instead, it's, that's a great steak, that's a great tomato. And the light shines, and people don't look right into the light, they look at what the light itself is radiating and illuminating. So salt and light have that in common. They call attention to something else. We're calling attention by the way that we live. These curious lives of ours, we're calling attention to Jesus. We're pointing to the good things that happen so that people will at some point and eventually praise our Father and not ourselves. So as we think about being people who live curiously, as we think about being salt and light, as we think about taking on the ministry of reconciliation, and we're going to come back to that in a few moments, I want us to take some time and I want to invite you uh, to write down some post-it note prayers. I've already got some of these post-it notes scattered on the walls. One of those reasons was to give you a visual when you walked in, uh, to, to make you curious about what we're going to do today. And I want to invite you uh, to take either the pencils that are from the pews or your own pen that you may have with you for your notes or in your purse, and we're going to play a song. And during the song, I want to invite you to, to leave your seat and go write either on one of the post-it notes that's already on the wall or there are going to be extra post-it notes. There are no post-it notes in the, on this back wall, so you can add some back here in this wall. You can add any post-it note you want to as you come here. We're going to have some people uh, with extra post-it notes and pens and pencils down front and on the side so that you can go and get a post-it note if you want to and, and write a prayer. Here's what I'm going to do. If you can... You can look at this and see what I want you to do at the top of your post-it note is write the word gospel. Write the word gospel. And then write down on this note a situation, a place perhaps. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's um, a neighborhood. Maybe it's a school. Um, situation in any one of those places. Maybe it's a relationship, or perhaps you're thinking of a person, and you see the brokenness, you see the darkness, you see the hurt, you see the confusion, you know this person needs, this situation needs, this relationship, this place needs reconciliation. They need salt, they need light. This place, this situation needs the light of Christ. And so I want you to take those, those ideas and I want you to, to write down a place, situation, relationship, name, initials if you want. Um, if you do write a name, just write the first name. 
it'll be anonymous to almost everybody in here, but it won't be anonymous to God. And uh, because he knows your intentions, he knows who you're talking about, he knows who you're thinking about, and he knows every detail of the person or the situation or the relationship you're thinking about. And I want to uh, invite you then to write on that post-it note, gospel, and then that prayer of reconciliation. Leave the post-it note on the wall. So if you use one of the ones that's already there, just write your requests and then leave that post-it note there. And at the end of our service, we're going to have a time to go collect the prayers. So if you post a couple, if you write on a couple of post-it notes, you'll take a couple with you. If you just do one, you'll take one with you at the end. We're going to take some time and we're going to let these notes be our prayers. And then we just need to have the visual to soak this in. This is going to be something that we get to do with each other and for each other in the going this week. Because when you take the post-it note at the end of our service, this is going to be something I'll encourage you to keep with you in a prominent place, someplace you'll see it. Maybe it's on the on the steering wheel of your car or the dash of your car or on the mirror in your bathroom or on the refrigerator or on the cabinet, your favorite cabinet in the kitchen, keeping it right there. It's going to be in a place where you'll remember to pray each day. You don't know what or who you're praying about. You're just praying over this person. You're praying about this situation. And whatever post-it note you've written, somebody else is praying about that. And there's a God who knows every single detail knows more about the situation or the relationship or the person or the place than any one of us do. But it's going to give us an opportunity to be praying for each other and with each other and for these places and people who need salt, who need light. And one of the ways that we're going to be salt and light, one of the ways that we're going to be a part of a ministry of reconciliation this week is through our prayer. So, we're going to have a song. There's going to be a couple of people, uh, Eddie Snow and Becca, are going to uh, be available to bring you a post-it note. If you don't uh, feel like getting out of your chair, but you'd like to participate, we'll just ask you to hold your hand up, and there will be uh, post-it notes available for you to write a prayer. They'll take it and put that on the wall for you. Uh, neighbors, you can help those who can't uh, get up if you want to help them do that. Uh, we just want to make sure that anybody who wants to post a prayer has the opportunity to post a prayer. And we're going to take this time and we're going to spend some time in prayer. Think about those people, those situations, and think about the gospel context out of which this ministry grows. I'll invite our people who are going to help to take their places. Uh, we're going to have some people down front some people there. They're going to have extra pens, pencils, and post-it notes. So we've got them in stationed in different places. But let's pray during this time together.
any time in the rest of our time together you decide, oh, I've got a post-it note, you just, you just get up and take it, all right? You see a blank one, you want to write it on there, you just go do it. You won't be interrupting. Is a prayer an interruption? I don't think so. You could just go do that, so that'd be fine. I want you to take a look at these notes. We even have some on the back wall. These represent just a handful of the people and the situations that are in our lives, that we are in. Think about this. God has you involved with these people. He's got you involved with these places, these situations. He's got you involved in that. That's pretty big stuff. He's got you because he has a purpose. One of the purposes that he's given to you in Christ is the ministry of reconciliation. He has given you new life because he loves you and really because he's, just, he's good. It makes him happy to save us. It comes right out of Ephesians 1. It pleases God to rescue people, to forgive. The prophet Micah says that God delights in showing us mercy. You see, this is part of what Paul means when he says that reconcilers are ambassadors, that we have become ambassadors. Uh, Jesus was the reconciler, the first reconciler, the, the, the ambassador who came to the world. And in the Gospel of John, he says that his number one reason for coming was to show the world the Father. Think about that. That Jesus' number one reason for coming was to show us the Father. The cross then becomes this expression of this, here's the kind of God we have. Um, as he sacrifices himself, as he gives himself for us, this Father who so loved the world that he sent his only Son. See, Jesus comes to reveal this. And so he's the first reconciler. And the word reconciliation means it's a relationship, familial word that for people who've been at war with each other, they're made friends again. They're brought back together. I want you to think of how many people around us, how many people in this world today um, internally are at war with God because they don't know who God truly is. They don't know the God that Jesus came to reveal to us. That's heartbreaking uh, because many people have given up any kind of belief about God at all or, and, and oftentimes maybe that has to do with their views of science or medicine or philosophy and maybe they've rejected it because of you know, coming to some conclusions but a lot of times people have rejected God because they think that God is just a tyrant who's out to mess up their lives and if that's their perspective of God, then they don't have the true God in mind. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. He came to show us what God is like. And as the ambassadors of Christ, we are doing the same thing. That in this ministry of reconciliation, as ambassadors, we are representing Jesus. So an ambassador, the word here uh, has the same root word as the word that, that we form the word uh, presbyter or elder, overseer from, same root word. But in this case, with this usage uh, and this particular spelling, 
it, it means ambassador, one who is sent on a mission with a message. The authority is not in the one who is sent. The authority is in the sender, but the authority of the sender goes with the one who is sent so that the one who is sent is then speaking the message that's been given. And that's what the ambassador did. That's what the ambassadors do today. We go as the ones who are sent into the world with this ministry of reconciliation, and we deliver a message that the world needs to hear in conversation around the table, we maybe get the opportunity to talk about the kind of God God is. If they've, if they've answered the fundamental question in life of, is there a God, then we get to talk to them about the more important question, and that is, what kind of God is God anyway? What kind of God is God? Ambassadors speak on behalf of the sender, Jesus, to reveal to the world, to show the world what kind of God God is. We get to tell the world about this God whose love compels us to do what we do, to live the way we live, no longer to live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again. We, we get to talk about the one who's made us new, who's taken away the old and given us a new life. Imperfect as it is, broken as it still may be from time to time, we are the ones who are new in Christ. And we get to talk about this kind of God who's that good. And then reconcilers are also peacemakers. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God, daughters of God. Peacemakers are like the Father who loves to make peace with the world that's at war with him that is opposed to him because it's self-serving, self-absorbed, God-cursing many times. The father who is cursed by the world loves the world, wants to save it. And he does this through peacemakers. Because when you look around our world, and this certainly Paul was thinking about this himself, he needed reconciliation with the Corinthians. But in our role as ambassadors, we speak about the kind of God God is. In our role as peacemakers in this ministry of reconciliation, uh, we're helping a world that is fragmented and broken come together again. There's so much hatred and division. There's so much bitterness. There's so much chaos in this world. God sends his people into the world as ministers of reconciliation to help mend, to help bring peace. It's not about calling a ceasefire. Remember, we've talked about this before, the difference between a ceasefire and a peacemaker. A ceasefire, you call timeout, you send the kids to their own rooms, and then you come back as if nothing's ever happened. Or you, you, you send the countries off, they go do their thing, just don't mess with each other. And we call that peace. That's not peace. Peace is bringing your relationship back together again, living for each other, loving each other, being at the table with each other, in fellowship with each other. That's peace, and that's what the people of God do as ministers of reconciliation, is we go into a world that is fragmented, that is, that is fragmented in their own relationships, fragmented in their relationship with God, and we help to bring peace. That's what he has sent us in the world to do. Think about that this week as you go into the world, that you are a, a, a reconciler as an ambassador, speaking on behalf of Jesus, telling people about the kind of God God is, 
and you are a reconciler as a peacemaker who's come into the chaos, into the brokenness, into the bitterness, into the anger, especially as an election season begins to ramp up, and there's going to be more and more of that. We are the people who are different. We're salt. We're light. We don't join in the the vitriolic conversation. We don't join in the name-calling. We don't join in all the, 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 the angry words. Instead, we bring peace to the situation. That's what he's called us to do. So though we are not apostles in the sense that Paul was, nevertheless, we share in the ministry of reconciliation. We are sent. As Jesus said in John chapter 17, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I'm sending you. The ambassadors are the sent ones going into the world to work with God in his ministry of reconciliation. So as people who've been captivated by Jesus and by the love of God that compels us, we hold out that same message of love and grace and reconciliation to other people. We hold it out. And we model it by being peacemakers. We're ministers of reconciliation in this world that's full of hate, division, opposition, and we bring peace. We're the ones, when we walk into the room, the conversation changes, the tone changes, because peacemakers have arrived. People who are ambassadors have arrived with the authority of the one who sent us. So part of our ministry of reconciliation that we'll be engaging in this week is prayer. So, I'm going to invite you to get up again. And to, uh, during this song, you'll go and you'll take a post-it note uh, again, if you wrote two post-it notes, get two post-it notes. If you took three, take, take three with you. Uh, a blank one doesn't count. You, know, if you can write something new on that and take it with you. Um, if it doesn't have the word gospel on there, write it on there, just so you can remember. I want us remembering the gospel in which this ministry of reconciliation happens. So write gospel on there if it doesn't have it on there, if somebody forgot. And take that with you. Obviously, one you didn't write yourself. And you're taking that with you and take it with you today. Post it somewhere prominent and let's be in prayer with the expectation that God wants to answer these prayers. He wants to break in. He wants to change the world. Does God not want to change this world? Does God not want to love this world? Does God not want to send his ministers of reconciliation into a world that needs him? Does God not want more than we do? to see people's lives changed by his grace and by the peace that Christ brings. Let's play that song, and during this song, I'm going to invite you to go and collect some of these uh, prayer notes, take them with you. Again, if you uh, were not able to, uh, to get up, we will bring you, you just raise your hand, we'll bring you some post-it notes. So let's take just a couple of minutes and uh, collect these prayers, and then we'll come back and finish our time together.
Okay, we're going to have some fun this week. We're going to join with God in the ministry of reconciliation in, in a variety of ways. You're, gonna, you're going to do this as you are in the places that God has put you. Those relationships, those situations, those people that you've had on your minds. And he's going to work in you and through you. Uh, let's expect it. Let's expect it. And then you get to participate by taking this prayer request with you and posting it and just praying each day for this. Pray at least once a day. But if you put it somewhere prominent, you might even find yourself doing that several times a day. How fun would that be? And then uh, over the coming weeks, uh, we're going to be continuing to do mix in more communal prayer in a variety of ways. It's going to be part of what we do. Um, because what we're saying in prayer is, God, we depend on you. We depend on you and your power. Um, God wants to save the world more than we want it to be saved. And so what we need for the Holy Spirit to do in us is catch us up to the plan and, and will and heart of God to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation. Um, I'd like to invite you to stand. And uh, I want to invite anybody, one of the things that's important to us is um, that we give opportunity to, um, for people to respond. And there's so many varieties of ways that we respond. I'll invite our prayer teams to take their places. And um, if you want someone to, to pray with you, maybe it's even specifically the prayer request that you wrote down today and you want someone to pray with you, then I encourage you to go. It, it could be that there's someone here and you've never been reconciled yet to Christ, accepted the gift that he wants to give you, said yes to it in faith and in baptism. And uh, we'd love to talk with you about that, go into scripture and study and pray and, and walk with you into that journey of responding to the gospel of Jesus. Uh, so we're going to sing together and uh, we're going to praise the Lord together. And then uh, we'll have our blessing and our commissioning. Um, so let's sing together.